Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. everyone to another episode of rb1 colon a we got mike mccoy fired podcast i am your humble host uh humble and sick host today though i'm going to power through it because i give the people what they want pete rogers joined as always by just clark barnes mr class jordan smith guys let's do a quick pleasantries here because we have a lot to talk about today of course Pleasant, pleasantries be damned let's get to it pleasantries be damned um Initially, before news broke today, we were going to have a lot to talk. Obviously, we were going to talk about Mike McCoy and how we got him fired. Finally, now the Cardinals offense might look somewhat possibly decent and David Johnson might have some fantasy value. Then Carlos Hyde got traded to the Jaguars, which got Clark all excited because Nick Chubb is now finally free in Cleveland. And then today, Amari Cooper gets traded from the Oakland Raiders uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, where do we want to start here, you guys? I'm super excited for Byron Leftwich to take over as the offensive coordinator. I've been trying to keep my eye on him uh, just because I really liked Byron when he was with the Jaguars. And it seemed like he moved up the coaching rankings really fast. So it's it's always a good sign when you can see that. Hopefully there's a little Doug Peterson, former NFL quarterback magic in there. Yeah, and I'm super excited about that, too. I saw someone tweeted an article, and I'm sorry that I don't know the person who wrote it, but Byron Leftwich talking about how, like, I was never the best quarterback. I, you know, I had an arm, but I wasn't super quick, and I didn't have all these intangibles, or I didn't have all these tangible assets. So I understand what it's like to try to make it without all of the ability, and, like, that's exactly what I want to hear from someone who's getting an opportunity. Like we've seen a lot of backup quarterbacks be really good in the NFL. So be super interesting to see if he can turn this into a offensive coordinator gig, you know, full time. Yeah. I mean, and our first advice to you, Byron Lefwich, because you're listening, don't run David Johnson solely up the middle. Well, hold on. First advice. Come talk to us. Yes. On the RB1 fantasy football podcast, literally thousands of fans eventually listen to this podcast thousands of people listen to fantasy football podcasts we are a fantasy football podcast so this would be a good way for you to get your feet wet you do the math we're not going to come at you like even though you used to play for the jaguars i always liked you so come on that's a win right there uh, i like your point clark about um byron Leftwich not being like the quarterback who had just all the skill and intangibles to succeed because one of the best people at breaking down quarterback play is dan orlovsky like yeah. he's really smart about it. And heck, you don't have to be, you know, Tom Brady or, I mean, we watch Troy Aikman on uh, Sunday all the time and he's not exactly the best at breaking down film. Um, I'm looking at good quality NFL starters. So it can come from anywhere. Yeah. It's different skill sets. And I would, 
if I'm hiring someone, I want the guy that had to figure it out right. with like gumption instead of the guy who just like was blessed with a rocket arm. Like I don't want Jay Cutler honing my quarterback. And like, you know, offense to Jay, maybe he'd be great at it, but like the guy who barely made it into the NFL and stuck around for seven years, I feel like that's the kind of guy I want teaching my quarterback the tips and tricks of the position, especially a smart guy like Josh Rosen. That was his like big thing going in. Was everyone was like, "Oh, is he too smart?" Which is just the dumbest thing in the world. Yeah, and this could be too much narrative street. But Byron Leftwich is young, and maybe he'll be able to mesh with somebody. Like oh, that we are we are well down narrative street. We so, are multiple <laughs> blocks down narrative street at this point. One of my favorite football listeners and followers is Sigmund Bloom, and he has claimed the title of Mayor of Narrative <laughs> Street, and I totally agree with that. I just want like a nice timeshare on narrative street we we definitely have one we definitely have one right downtown on narrative street um so mike mccoy got fired that's a win for everyone let's hope that this means that david johnson returns to fantasy value and maybe just maybe uh jordan and i won't look as ridiculous as david johnson returns to some sort of mvp level of performance now that he has a decent hopefully decent offensive coordinator to be fair todd Gurley is just overshadowing our entire prediction anyway so i don't there's no overcoming. Just that start. Just start scoring multiple. Like DJ needs to score two to three touchdowns per game from here on out, which even still yes. probably won't surpass Todd Gurley because Todd Gurley still manages to score three touchdowns per game. Well, speaking That'll of RB one podcast predictions, Jordan Wilkins had a nice little game <laughs> this week. You know? So okay, okay. Jordan, there's hope yet. At some point, <laughs> maybe maybe next week, maybe next week, or when we get halfway through the season, we'll do a beer bet recap. Because Keenan Allen is living up to the first half of my beer bet about the Chargers receivers. Mike Williams is not. Well, well, Jordan Wilkins is living up to your prediction, Jordan, if, because if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if I hallucinated this memory or not, but you said no one's really going to step up. So it would only take someone to kind of come on near the end of the year to lead this Colts team in rushing yards and i didn't do the research because i'm lazy i can't imagine anyone for the colts has 500 yards rushing yet well marlon mack did just kind of come out of nowhere this week and had a really good week (laughs) he is one play away from a shoulder injury that puts him on the bench for two weeks like i'm sorry marlon mack you know you're a person i care about you and all that stuff but like you have a history so Uh, let's move on then. Let's talk. Let's get into the trades, and and this is a perfect segue to also the meat of this episode, where we're going to be talking about players that we would like to see get traded at the NFL deadline in order to help improve their fantasy value. But we'll start with two guys who actually have gotten traded. Carlos Hyde being the first, he got traded on Friday, I believe, uh, sent to the Jaguars for a fifth rounder, I think, which of course got all of us very excited because. First of all, Carlos Hyde goes from a offensive line that was towards the bottom of the NFL in terms of pass blocking to a offensive line that's top 10 in the NFL in terms of pass blocking and a team that we all know wants to only run the football and hasn't been able to do that because Leonard Fournette's been injured. So that's a boost for Carlos Hyde. But the real reason we all got excited and Clark couldn't control his his sheer joy and happiness is because now finally... There is nothing standing in Nick Chubb's way of taking over the Browns' backfield and being the successful fantasy running back that we have all known that he could be. Yeah, I'm stoked. I think that he has the talent to be a really transformational back, even on a bad Browns team. He had an okay opening day. Like, it looked real rough there for a little while, but then he ended up handing in a nice day. And the one thing that tempers the excitement is it's still the Browns. And then even more so today, 
reported via Roto World that Hugh Jackson really upset with the play calling is going to get more involved and that for anyone who's been paying attention to football for the past several years can only spell bad things that never bodes well so Hugh Jackson's statement was literally just him trying to put a wet blanket on the Todd Haley coup that is still currently happening because apparently uh Dorsey is just not happy with the way the team is running right now. Neither is the owner. Oh, uh, Jim should Hassel, anyone. So do you, do you think hilarious. that he's been watching the games? Maybe. Do you think that's why he's upset? These, I mean, maybe. It's so wildly frustrating to watch these Browns play because they have the talent and they they're in these games and then they just flummox them away. And it's not so much even like the players. It's just Hugh Jackson. Why? Why? Well, how? Yeah, when you get in that many close games and you just lose, like they really should be like four and two right now, realistically. But when you lose that many close games and you have that many penalties, they have a lot of penalties as well. That's a coaching issue. Like that is just straight up on the head coach. And I mean, the guy has two wins in two years. So, like, I, as someone who roots for a football town who's just been cursed completely with Houston and the Oilers and the Texans like I feel bad for the Browns because for the past couple of years it was really easy to sign off it's like when I gave up on the Astros I know this is a baseball podcast because they just they got absolute last in baseball two years in a row it's just super easy to give up but now they're the Browns are competitive and they're losing in freaking heartbreaking fashion just left and right that's I feel bad for Browns. Right. Like the Browns used to be a team that if you were a fan, you could just totally tune out for the whole season and be like, yeah, we're just going to get trashed. We're going to suck. Who cares? And now it's now they're just flirting with success in every single game and just finding worse and worse ways to to lose. And the thing is, is you also look at these young coaches around the NFL who have actual like visions and talent and they're leading these rosters to huge success and doing all these cool and innovative things with all the talent that they have on them. And the Browns have a shit ton of talent. And you just hope you just have to think that like any half smarted concocted coach, the guy who is, we always allude to the guy who scrubs uh freaking the shoes of yeah, whoever shines Sean McVay. Yeah, exactly. Could do a better job. I eventually got there. That's a tongue twister. And it's, it was awesome. But, like, but, but yeah, and, but I think there's hopes for there's hope for Browns fans. You do have all this talent. And I think for the Jaguars, who, by the way, guys, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the week that I said something nice about the Jaguars being good Woo! began their losing streak. So I feel personally responsible. And it's not even a losing streak. It is like a complete descent into disarray. So anyone who works for the Texans, I would love any pair of tickets to any game in any part of the stadium. I will pay for parking, but I am responsible at least partially for the reverse kibosh on the Jaguars. Yeah, that's that's legit. Uh, and then the biggest trade that went down today was someone actually, and unsurprisingly, it's Jerry Jones who decided that Amari Cooper was worth a first round pick. Uh, Cooper goes from the Oakland Raiders to the Dallas Cowboys. Jordan, do you see this as having any kind of benefit to anyone involved? But let's start with Amari Cooper. Does this help Amari Cooper fantasy-wise? I think it actually does help him fantasy-wise. I think it's just better for him to be in a new situation and on a better team who's actually going to utilize him. Um, I was looking at Amari Cooper's stats before, and he actually has a career high in catch percentage right now at uh, 68.8%. So he's like bordering on 70% catch rate, which 
is just head and shoulders better than he has been. His knock has been, you know, he has a case of the drop seeds. He's been up and down this fantasy season, but really it's because he only has 32 targets on the year. Like that is way too few of targets in his breakout year during 2016. He had 132 over the course of the year. So he's not even close to matching that pace. And I think it'll just be better for him to be in a new situation on a team that is really just, I guess, well, they're, they're the Cowboys, but the Raiders are in more turmoil, I would say, if I were power ranking the turmoil teams. <laughs> and I actually, I do think this is going to help Alan Hearns, too. Alan Hearns had a pretty decent game this week. Dak Prescott looks like he might be running things a little bit more smoothly, despite Jason Garrett. And I, I think just having a person who has played the number one position, Alan Hearns is always meant to be a wide receiver, too, no matter what team he's on. And I I just think it's a better situation for Cooper in general. Yeah, it's exciting to see Amari Cooper traded, but there's a little bit of throwing water onto the excitement that he's going to Dallas. So I think it's still early in Dak's career, but he's kind of turning out to be a bit of a Cam Newton-like quarterback in that he makes the most amazing plays that you've ever seen, but then he just completely disappears and misses wide-open reads and guys all the time. And so I I do think it's better for Amari fantasy wise to be on the Cowboys, but like how much better, like, is he going to be the wide receiver 25 instead of the wide receiver 40? Right. What I would really like to posit here is does this uh, trade for Amari Cooper getting a first round for him kind of like mitigate some of the rage with the giving up Khalil Mack for the package. I mean, it's impressive. It's impressive that you were able to get a first rounder for a year and a half of Amari Cooper, especially when Amari Cooper's cap hit next year is like 13 million or something absurd. And you're telling me you couldn't get like a third rounder back. Right. Or something. I feel like it was just like, it, we need him. Let's take it. Yeah. Like, let's take him. The Raiders have three first round picks going into next season. Obviously their own is probably going to be a top three draft pick, but that also comes with the caveat of them having to nail these draft picks. Like, yeah. do you, how much do you trust John Gruden in his old school style to actually nail these first round picks? They'll never be as valuable as they are right up until the day before the draft. So that's that's the only thing. But I mean, it's nice to look at that and say, hey, we got three first round picks. But do you trust John Gruden to make the most out of those picks? Yeah, and that's interesting. It's a lot of ammo, and if you take a couple of those and trade back, like maybe you take your first one and then you trade back, like you could really set yourself up kind of the idea of what the Browns did, even though they failed Mm -hmm. to execute. You're really putting yourself in a good position, but Jordan, you nailed it. I mean, all the picks in the world don't matter if you can't evaluate talent, and I feel like giving away Khalil Mack, giving away Amari Cooper, yeah. Uh, that's really making me question your ability to to evaluate talent. Super work, John. Right. Uh, quickly on to Amari Cooper's fantasy value. The one thing that I will say about it is I was telling people on, on the Twitter sphere and also I wrote an article for Fake Teams saying just people should temper their expectations and, and maybe not get too, too excited about the trade and the fact that it's going to suddenly open up the treasure trove that is Amari Cooper. Uh, Since Dak has become the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, they haven't posted a wide receiver, any wide receiver in the top 20 in terms of fantasy production. I think if Amari Cooper had gotten to gone to an offense that was a little more explosive, I wanted him to go to freaking the Colts because Andrew Luck is on fire. And I was like, oh, man, that's going to be beautiful. No, 
No, <laughs> I, no. T.Y. Hilton is the number one wide no, receiver. But, but T.Y. Hilton, but but no, Amari I'm, Cooper could have been Juju Smith-Schuster to yeah. T.Y. Hilton's Antonio Brown. I mean, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Like that's a that's a match made in heaven for an explosive offense that has a quarterback that can actually throw the ball downfield now. But I I think that Amari Cooper will eventually. He's definitely going to be, get a shitload of targets in Dallas. There's no one else really to throw the ball to. He he's going to have value at least in PPR initially. I'm just curious as to whether or not this is actually really that much of an upgrade to him. I think it's just going to be the fact that he's going to get targets and it's going to see what he does with those things. I don't think that he will. Like, I, I think Amari Cooper is good at football. And like you said, if he went to a different team, I would have been really excited right. to see him go to that team. But there's just no – there's nothing to be had in the Dallas offense. We saw Michael Gallup have a good game this week, and I feel like that's peak – number one Dallas wide receiver territory. What Dak likes to throw to, and he's shown, I mean, this is super early in his career, so take this with a grain of salt, but like, but what Dak likes to throw to is the wide open guy on an option route. Tony Romo did a fantastic job of pointing out like, oh, Cole Beasley is taking over the Jason Witten role. They're going to run him in motion to the slot, and then he's going to choose in or out, and then every. <laughs> I love Tony Romo calling games like I hate all over his job, but like, but every time he's like, that's the guy that Dak likes to throw to, and it seems in desperation he threw to Michael Gallup a couple of times and he hit him like two out of four times. So right. I love, I'm going to love watching Dallas fans get excited and trade way too much for Amari Cooper, yeah. and I think this is a good long term move for the Cowboys. But I would not get too excited about his immediate value after this trade. Yeah, no, that's what I, I agree with that. Um, all right, so there's so there's the kind of news that's happened around the NFL. And before we get into our trades, I didn't get to say this, and just to interrupt really quick, like I think the Carlos Hyde trade for the Jaguars is a very good football move. And I agree. I think when Fournette is out, Carlos Hyde is going to be a very serviceable RB two. Yes, I definitely agree with you. So before we get into the players that we want to see traded, as a perfect segue uh, into what we just talked about. Quickly, we're just going to go around the horn and we're going to do our You Help No Ones for week seven. We're going to give our uh, our nominees and make our picks. So let's start that right off um, with our first nominee for week seven, Andy Dalton, who had 148 yards, one touchdown and one interception against the Kansas City Chiefs. Let it be noted. Melvin Gordon, who normally I don't like to put someone who is injured on this list, but Melvin Gordon was healthy up until literally the very last seconds before they played the Tennessee Titans in London, which meant that at Sunday morning when everyone was still asleep from their exciting Saturday night, suddenly Melvin Gordon, starting in your lineup, was no longer playing, crushing to anyone who had him. No one was making a move at whatever, eight in the morning. Joe Mixon at number three with 13 attempts, 50 yards, and three receptions for one yard. Ezekiel Elliott comes in as our fourth nominee with 15 attempts for 33 yards, two receptions for nine yards. And our final nominee for week seven's You've Helped No One Award, Michael Roberts, who's a tight end for the Lions, I guess, who had three receptions for 48 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, Jordan, who helped no one this week? So my you help no one, I guess technically it's Melvin Gordon, but I'm just going to say overall, it's these damn London games. I'm not a fan of a 930 football game when I am still recovering from a Saturday night of um, having a lot of milk and cookies. (laughs) And debauchery, I I think is what we like to call that in the South. Yeah. 
Milk and cookies, Patrick. I had Melvin Gordon in two lineups, and I didn't take him out of either one. I don't think I would have won anyway because I those two leagues, I just had bad weeks overall, including um, one of them also had Carlos Hyde not playing. So it was a terrible combination, that's, that's and I was tough. mad for a very long time yesterday. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going with a Lunday, Sunday morning game and Melvin Gordon that I didn't even really know anything was truly – wrong with him or he wouldn't play so i right. was in i was in deep set it and forget it mode you know i was just ready i was i was up definitely up before 11 like i wasn't that <laughs> rough. um so i was ready to just make my injury subs right. if i needed to then but 100 agree melvin gordon is my nominee for this week too because th- there was nothing leading into it that you thought that oh maybe this is actually a legit injury that he's going to keep out you're just like nope set it forget it you don't have to worry about it and then the London game, no one's waking up at 8 o'clock to set their lineups on a Sunday morning. No one's doing that. So then you wake up, and it's, you know, 10, 10 o'clock, and you look at your phone, and it has the ESPN app, and it's like, Melvin Gordon was a uh, did not play at the last second. And you're like, God damn it! What's more to add on to that is I made a waiver claim for a Dynasty League. At, apparently, I was just waking up at 9.20 because I sent my friend a text message saying, hey, I want to make this claim for this person in this Dynasty League. Add him to my roster, and it didn't even dawn on me to look to see like how the rest of my team was going. Like that's how unnecessary this London game was, and yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, to put in to the Melvin Gordon thing, I'm gonna pick (laughs) someone else. Uh, I have a very, I have a very dear friend who was traveling for work, and she was on a plane for 23 hours flying to India with no Wi-Fi. And so, of course, she started Melvin Gordon only to wind up in a strange foreign land, having taken a guy who is, like, playing second fiddle to uh, Todd Gurley as, like, the most productive running back in the league, missing the week. So, I, even though I'm going to bring up another one, I feel like it's definitely Todd Gurley. It's definitely Melvin Gordon this week. Um, I'm bringing up Andy Dalton. The Chiefs have stopped absolutely nobody. On defense this year, and I just figured, like, well, the the Bengals are going to lose thirty five to fifty six or something, but at least Andy Dalton's going to give me that garbage time. That game was atrocious. Unless you're a, unless you're a Chiefs fan, uh, that game was terrible. So personally, for my own edification, uh, Andy Dalton, you help no one. That's uh, fair too. I, I had Andy Dalton in both those leagues too. I did not have a good Sunday. It was terrible. Not a good week for Jordan. Since we're taking this time to talk about our teams, as long as Ito Smith, Sterling Shepard, and Giorgio Trevecchio don't score 65 points, I'm going to (laughs) sweep. 65 points. Well, it's a a super high scoring league. So, like, that's like Uh outside shot could happen. Like, uh, good week, though, for Barnes. Continued to kill it in the RB1 league. Kill it. Bouncing back off of my first loss. It's also just a good week for Barnes in general because Clark Barnes, when leagues, Kenyon Barner now suddenly has a starting role as a running back. (laughs) So we may hear more about him later in the show, Pete. (laughs) Good week for everyone. Uh, All right. So uh, if you were one of those people who went to faketeams.com and voted, uh, we have a poll every week for you who you thought helped no one. Um, and so we're tallying our scores, our nominees into that poll. And the winner for week seven, you help no one, is... Melvin Gordon. 
It's a tie. Andy Ooh. Dalton and Melvin Gordon both oh, are ties for you help knowing this week. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm cool with that. I felt Good. I was gonna have to whip out the veto. But but, but it. it works. I think that's fair. I think both were massive letdown. Because especially Melvin Gordon, you know, I don't like to do someone who's injured because injuries, yeah. you, you can never expect when injuries happen. But there was nothing leading up to that. And then Andy Dalton, right, the Chiefs, when, who was the last quarterback the Chiefs even kind of held in any kind of, you know, service? Dalton was an extremely strong streaming candidate. Yes. So I bet a bunch of smart people made that move for very obvious reasons. And that's why fantasy football is a little bit about poker. Like you can do the right thing. And still just get f And sometimes you just get screwed. And so both Andy Dalton and Melvin I like Gordon. how, uh, for people not watching the podcast, Pete pulled the cap off of the pen to mark when Barnes dropped an F-bomb. And I said F'd. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well done. Well done, Clark. Well done. Uh, all right. So <laughs> let's get into, we talked about the players who actually got traded. Let's talk about the players we want to get traded. Uh, NFL trade deadline is just around the corner. These are the players who maybe are underperforming in fantasy or we just kind of want to see more out of. And we're sending them to better teams where they're going to have a better situation and suddenly live up to their fullest fantasy potential. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you. Who do you want to see to get traded at the deadline? Yeah, we alluded to this guy a little bit before. And I'm going with Mike Williams over on the Chargers. Um, I don't think he's really underperforming. I just don't think he's getting a whole lot of opportunities. Um, he's a big target who can score in the red zone, which I'm surprised they're not utilizing him a little bit more, but at the same time, they don't need to utilize him because they're scoring on a lot of big plays. Um, you see that with the emergence of Tyrell Williams as just being a really good um, down-the-field threat for Philip Rivers is having a really good season himself. Um, so that limits Mike Williams' ceiling. Um, he could be a better asset on a team that's not so crowded with passing or pass catching options. Uh, so it's not just Tyrell Williams and Keenan Allen. It's Austin Eckler. All of a sudden, M- Melvin Gordon is catching passes out of the backfield too. There's just, even without Hunter Henry, there's just not enough footballs to go around. Who's calling games for the Chargers offense? Because they're looking very sneakily like the Sean McVay Rams. Yeah, they are. Who's going to be the next person to get a job? Does anybody offhand know who's doing that? Or straight. We'll go to SB Nation. Uh, Stats and information. I really like that call, uh, Jordan, because like you said, the Chargers have a lot of guys who can do that role, and that role is still in demand. That big, lanky wide receiver, they can go up and get it. They've got two or three guys that can go do that, and I think the Chargers need to start preparing for life after Phillip Rivers. Like, it's not panic mode time, but, you know, stockpile some draft picks to get up in a draft here in like a year or two, I think is a great idea. I would. That'd be a good trade kind of for anybody that needs it, I think. Offensive coordinator for the Chargers, Ken Wisenhunt. Mildly, oh, exactly. mildly Never surprising. Mind. Never mind. Please <laughs> strike this from the record. But that was, that's like, I, I'm a little impressed by Ken. Like, way to adapt with the times that this is the offense that you're putting together. Yeah, Dad likes to say uh, even a blind hog roots up an acorn every once in a while. So please strike that from the record. <laughs> Uh, before we move on, Jordan, do you have any teams that you would like to see Mike Williams go to, or are you just kind of like in general, just like, let's get him to a different team where he has more fantasy relevance? Um, I I think just in general, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. Maybe like Seattle who could use Russell Wilson is running for his life, you know, just chuck it up in the air and let Mike Williams come down with it. That would be something that's interesting, but I don't 
every other good quarterback in the league has weapons. Yeah. So yeah, there'll be a lot of crossover here of like, oh, good quarterback plus no weapons. Let's send him there. So like, yeah, Seattle, Indianapolis, not no weapons. Sorry, Ty, but like, but you know, anywhere one. where they don't have that prototypical number one, right? Exactly. Um, well, I'll segue this right into my first trade because my first trade I built around getting a struggling receiver to the Colts. That's what I wanted because Andrew Luck, like I said earlier in the podcast, is back. Andrew Luck is ripping this ball all over the field. His shoulder looks totally fine, totally healed. I want to give them someone uh, in that offense to 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 couple with T.Y. Hilton and so that Luck can spread it around and you got two viable fantasy stars there because I think this offense can hold that. I wanted to give them Amari. Clearly, that's not going to happen because he's in Dallas and he's just going to kind of pitter away there. So instead of Amari Cooper, how about I give them Marvin Jones Jr.? He's kind of just getting pushed down in the Lions depth chart. He's third in targets, fourth in receptions. But on Johnson's quickly about to pass him in receptions. And uh, Theo Riddick is about to pass him in targets. He's just become a forgotten part of this offense. And I think if you pair him next to T.Y., uh, it gives Luck a red zone threat. That I think that they are right now. It's basically Eric Ebron or bust with with Marvin Jones. I think now Ty has. I mean, now Luck has another big body receiver that he can uh, he can look to in the red zone. So I'm liking that, especially since I was very high on Marvin Jones in this offseason. and now I'm trying to redeem some of that value. Any thoughts? No, cool. Yeah, no. I, I always <laughs> I, I I feel like I jump in first all the time. And so every once in a while, I try to let Jordan jump in first. So my apologies. I love that move because it, when I look at building a roster and trade deadline moves, it's the Lions have an embarrassment of riches at wide receivers. So why not move that person off of your team and pick up? I don't know. Like there's got to be some kind of backup guard or like some safety that's good or like third round pick that that you can move the guy because Marvin Jones is being incredibly underutilized. Like, what are you going to do? Just hold on to him for forever until you lose him and get nothing for him. Right. So I really like that idea. Marvin Jones has shown that he's really good at football. Unfortunately, he plays on the same team as Kenny Galladay and golden Tate. So <sighs> I love Marvin Jones, but I'll take Kenny Galladay and golden Tate right. over him all the time. Yeah. We were all like super high on Marvin Jones. I predicted that the trajectory between the connection of, Stafford and Jones would just continue to trend upwards, but Kenny Galladay has just turned into the alpha receiver yeah. in Detroit, even ahead of Golden Tate. He just leapfrogged everybody. So it's another situation where there's just not enough footballs to go around from a just general football standpoint. You know, I see why you keep all three of those wide receivers because they don't have a tight end. But from a like a fantasy perspective, it would be really cool to see Marvin Jones and T.Y. Hilton, you know, splitting up. Um, passes and scoring more points than Marvin Jones is now. Yeah, and, I, and along that vein, I hope this is, is something that we see with the NFL. We saw it last year a little bit more than usual, which is like we went from zero to four. Uh, but kind of what baseball does, like when teams know that they're out of it, they kind of dump their good talent that mm. they're going to lose in a year or two. I would love to see that in the NFL. Like, again, like I think the Jaguars did a really good job going out to get Carlos Hyde. Even if Leonard Fournette comes back in two weeks, the running back position, you need two good guys. Exactly what the Eagles did last year, getting J.H.I. Yeah. Like, get him in the backfield and why not? And it's something the Patriots have done over and over and over again. Why not give a fourth or fifth round pick for a starter? Right. 
like you're you're hoping to get a starter with the fourth or fifth round pick. And Jordan, like you said, like those picks will never have more value than right before the draft. They also carry a lot of value right now for teams that are probably not going to contend. So, yeah. Like, Clark, give us your first uh, player that you want to see traded. I'm going to go Captain Obvious here just to kick off the conversation. Le'Veon Bell. Of course. Right? Like there's this talent just riding jet skis and doing nothing. Uh, there are tons of teams out there that could use a good Literally running everyone. back. Like Le'Veon Bell. And and if you're the Steelers, you know he's in FU mode. Why wouldn't you just take the best offer that you get? Even if it's for the Browns, like pull a Belichick. Send him to the worst team in the world. Something like, well, maybe not the Browns anymore. Anyway, but like there are a lot of teams that I'd love to see him go to. The Pats, number one, like they need some running back help after this weekend. The Vikings, like Dalvin Cook is, is having a hard time getting back on the field. They're having a hard time offensively. Why not get an all-around back? The Colts, I know that they had a couple of good performances this week from their rookies and young guys, but, like, would the Colts not give up a second-round draft pick for Le'Veon Bell? And, and the, the Colts have two because they traded up with the Jets. Oh, well, there you go. But, I mean, I just want to see Le'Veon Bell go somewhere. I have not thought about this at all because I've just kind of relegated the Vikings' backfield to Dalvin Cook, and that's it. Le'Veon Bell and the Vikings offense would be per- like just what they need. I That's a pairing that I had not thought about, and I love it. Normally, the team that I immediately think of where Le'Veon Bell could go to is the Jets because I feel like it would be a very Jets move to you have Sam Darnold on a rookie quarterback contract. You trade a lot to get a big-name uh, offensive weapon, sign him to a massive contract, and let him kind of do his thing. <clears throat> I I am a huge fan of Le'Veon Bell going to Minnesota because I think that running game needs all the help it can get. He's someone who can make your offensive line look a lot better than it is, uh, and gives you know Kirk Cousins yet another target in that passing game. And they're contenders, right? Like they could be. So I I feel like this comparison gets made a lot, especially when you have two running backs. But I think this is the absolute closest that you can get to having this comparison come to life. And that's just keeping Le'Veon Bell on the Steelers and kind of running a similar situation as Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara last year. Le'Veon Bell is already a good pass catcher, and it's really just been Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster who have been the receivers. James Washington hasn't come on just yet, even though I think he will be a good uh, player down the road. Uh, But why not have Le'Veon Bell and James Conner on the field at the same time uh, just destroying defenses. Uh, Le'Veon Bell can easily play in the slot, come out of the backfield. James Conner can be that Mark Ingram type of role. Um, from a fantasy perspective, it would be cool to see Le'Veon Bell just really get 30 touches a game because he's Le'Veon Bell and that's what he should be getting. But um, at the same time, it's, for me, it's another one of those scenarios where from a football standpoint, Steelers should hold on to every last weapon they can because they need it. I think I think the Steelers and going with what you're saying, Jordan. I think the St- I would not put it against the Steelers to do that, especially since there's no defense outside of maybe the Ravens, right? Ravens, we've talked about their defense before, but there's no defense in the AFC that's scary or intimidating. So it, ultimately, to win the AFC, it's going to be it's going to come down to who can score the most points. Can both you outshoot the, the, the Patriots? Right, the Patriots and the Chiefs both have displayed that they can't cover oh, running shit. backs worth a damn. So, so like, why not keep Le'Veon Bell? Why not keep James Conner? Why not just go with as much offensive talent as you can? See if you can carry this whole team all the way through the playoffs 
into the Super Bowl, get yourself a Super Bowl win, and then Le'Veon Bell leaves and signs a massive contract somewhere else. You don't, you know, you get whatever your third round pick compensation because of because of letting a free agent go. But if you can, it, I do think that this AFC is going to be won by whichever team puts up the most points. And Le'Veon Bell, bringing Le'Veon Bell back and keeping him in that offense gives you the chance to score more points than the Chiefs or the Patriots. What AFC team has won four games in a row and could use a good running back? The Houston Texans. No, 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 there it is. Well, we'll have more on what I think the Texans should do later. I think Walter Payton running behind this Texans offensive line (laughs) would look like Chris Ivory. So that that's why I intentionally shot fired at Walter Payton. Oh, you can't play anymore. <laughs> I'm hurt that I said the, those things. The offense that Clark just took it. it. Uh, that I said it. <laughs> uh, uh, Jordan, let's quickly let's rattle off our our second second trades that we want to see. Jordan, who you got? Uh, so the second guy is just another guy I was really high on during the off season, and actually ended up drafting to put at the end of my bench. See what happened, but I definitely just dropped him after a week. Uh, that's Taywan Taylor of the Tennessee Titans. So quick lift on the kibosh Tennessee Titans. It's fair. Uh, he, he's just a really good weapon, and you've seen flashes of that. He's had, um, you know, a seven-catch game, um, a couple other multi-catch games where you were like, okay, Taiwan Taylor, they're finally starting to use him. But they are just – I don't know what they're trying to do, really. Like, uh, Marcus Mariota is awful. Um, and, yeah, if he was just on a more apt – like a smarter offense who would actually use him the way everybody was literally predicting and telling you how to use him, then he would be having a much better fantasy season. And I don't know. The Titans have the weapons. They just haven't put it together. Yeah. I am glad that the Titans are finding a way to look so terrible in their division because I'm a homer, but it is a little baffling that he keeps having these huge games every once in a while. And then they just, he just disappears the next game. So getting him to a team that takes advantage of that consistently, not only for fantasy purposes, but also for just like fun football purposes. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's falling under that same kind of uh, weird thing where it's like, oh, you have a big game. And then the next two games, they just don't target that receiver. You're like, why? Same thing happened to Amari. You're like, why are you not targeting your receiver that just put up, you know, a decent game? Anyways. One of I mean, personally, I, I want you to just keep throwing it to Deion Lewis, but <laughs> that's just me personally. That's just you trying to live and die on a narrative. Yeah. It is It is partially because Marcus Mariota can't throw it down the field, and that's just... If your quarterback can't throw it down the field in today's NFL, I don't know what you're doing. Slightly damning. He finally got me this year, and I... I <laughs> I resisted for like four years, and he finally got me. And now, well, I you had you had to think so because Matt Lafleur they got they brought in this offensive coordinator that was going to do everything from the from the Mike Shanahan from the whole Sean McVay from the all that tree. You're like, yep, this is it. They're going to finally unleash Mariota in this offense, and nope. You know who I'd like to see Taylor Taylor on? Who? The New Orleans Saints. Because mm-hmm. kind of just Michael Thomas Saucy. and. Sometimes Ted Ginn, maybe um, Traquan Smith shows up every now and then. But I think if they had Taewon Taylor, that would just completely open up the field for the Saints. Holy cow. That'd be nice. I'm hoping Traquan has a good end of the year. 
Trayvon could have a good end of the year. Sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, all right, my second trade player that I want to see get moved to a different location to spice things up. It's our boy Aaron Jones, because clearly Green Bay doesn't want him. They don't know how to use him. And, you know, we're currently making it our mission now that we got Mike McCoy fired to get Mike McCarthy fired. Um, but until that point, let's get Aaron Jones into an office that actually wants to utilize him. I bounced through a couple of teams to trade him to, uh, one of them being the Texans. But then, like Clark alluded to, I was like, that offensive line is hot garbage. So instead, <clears throat> I decided to send him to a team that actually could have a legit chance at making hay in the AFC. They have the best defense in the AFC, and they love to run the football, but they can't run for worth a damn. The Baltimore Ravens. I picked the Ravens because they're top 10 in rushing attempts per game, but they're second to last in the league in yards per carry. Uh, what they clearly need is an explosive back to pair with Alex Collins, who's you know taking that power back role and, and does that pretty well. But I think if you give Jones, put Jones in that backfield, suddenly now you've just got this offensive weapon who's going to make a little bit more out of nothing. Their offensive line does a pretty good job of run blocking and opening up holes. He's going to be someone who's going to take advantage and take all of those runs to the furthest possible they can be. And it adds that explosive element in the running game to pair with their explosive passing game and their explosive defense, I think this is a move that the Baltimore Ravens could actually make in order to really prime their team for a deep playoff run and maybe even a Super Bowl window. So I don't want to go on another Mike McCarthy rant. but No, no, but <laughs> it's your podcast, so... One one of the things that they talked about this week, because uh, they're on by, um, so they've been doing what they call self-scouting. Uh, one of the th- most obvious things Mike McCarthy said was that they have to do a better job of running the football, which is just like I know oh, everybody knows. Come on, yeah, I guy. need to lose a, uh, I need to lose a few pounds. And one thing to add about this is that ESPN ranked the Rams as the number one team with the two best tackles, and they ranked the Packers number two because David Bakhtiari is, is an animal, and Bulaga, when he can play, is very serviceable. But guess what? They don't want to use Aaron Jones to get some outside runs to bounce it out, like, on the outside. It's almost like running David Johnson right up the gut every now and then. Like, it's cool if you can stand watching Jamal Charles or Jamal Williams. I don't know where that came from. Jamal <laughs> Williams run it up the field for 3.2 yards per carry. But you could really, really open up that offense if you just let Aaron Jones bounce things around. And sure, let him go to Baltimore and win a Super Bowl with them, maybe. Um, I really want to keep Aaron Jones, so don't take him away from me. I do, too. I just want him to I want him to live up to the potential that he's shown in those flashes. He's averaging on his career fit 5.7 yards per carry. It's like, why are you not giving this guy the ball 20 times? Yeah, I'm with both of you on this. The Ravens have a back who can do everything individually, and you kind of know what's coming depending on the back who's in there. And Jones gives you a little bit more flexibility. Uh, I would, Jordan, I'm with you. I would also hate to see a back like Jones leave my team when it seems like McCarthy is just kind of, (laughs) I don't know, like Andy Reid always forgets that he has a good running back for several weeks each season. And Mike McCarthy seems to forget that you can have running backs for every year. Best case, I will literally retract every bad thing I've said about Mike McCarthy this year if they come out of the bye and just hand it off directly to Aaron Jones 20 times a game because I guarantee he's going to run for 110 yards per game. Yeah. 
It's an it's an easy easy hundred yard game right there. Uh, Clark, who's your last player that you want to get traded? So this is more of a unit than a player. Since Ooh. the Oakland Raiders are having a fire sale, let's get some of those good offensive linemen on teams who are actually contending. So I just want any good offensive lineman that the Raiders have to go to the Texans, the Colts, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. These are all teams that have really interesting offenses that are being held back by just abominable offensive lines. So since the Raiders are clearly tanking, I I don't know who the number one quarterback is going to be to replace Derek Carr whenever he leaves. But like, let's put in some trade offers, guys. Second rounders for uh, Jordan. I'm going to lean on your knowledge. Sure. Let's just get some of those guys instead of the practice squad guys that we have going for the, the Cardinals, the Texans, the Colts. I mean, like these lines are garbage and the Raiders are giving up. Let's make some moves. I love it. I love it. We talked about this on on last week's podcast where we had our little spiel about the New York Giants and how really what they need is an offensive line. And that's what every rebuilding team needs is offensive line help. If you're having a fire sale, Oakland, have a fire sale. Sell everything. Get rid of all your big contracts, and let's try to create the pro- the Sixers process uh, in basketball, create that in the NFL, and just get a whole bunch of draft picks and see if you can just draft perfectly. Yeah, John, you got nine and a half more years to yeah. build this team into a contender. Let's experiment a little. Let's see what Get happens. All the picks you can. I have faith in you, John Gruden. Go ahead and trade all those talented players away to someone else. Yep, that's the way to do it. That's the way to build a winning franchise. Uh, so there you go. There are some players that we want to get traded at the deadline uh, in order to help improve their fantasy value and also just, you know, for good football sake. Let's just improve the overall viewing aspect of football. Before we go, let's quickly uh, do waiver wire ads. If you could add one person off of the waiver wires, who are you adding? Clark, let's start with you. So you mentioned him earlier, and this is really just a whoever is starting opposite of James White. You add Ken John Barner. Yeah, Ken John. I mean, or whoever they trade for, or whoever they sign off of someone's practice squad, the other running back in New England is going to have value. So it looks like Kenyon Barner, go spend 10, 15% of your fab or give up your waiver priority for him because it'll be worth it. It's also just such an absurd world that we live in that Kenyon Barner has legit fantasy yeah. value right now. Who to thunk? Who to thunk that this yeah. day would have ever come? Uh, we should have collaborated because I actually wrote down Kenyon Barner, but I'll actually go in a different oh, okay. direction. Um, if you haven't added already, maybe try to go look at uh, Jalen Richard because uh, another starting running back we lost this week was uh, Marshawn Lynch, who just went on IR. And the earliest he can return is like Christmas Eve. And I think your fantasy season is just about done by then anyhow. So um, look for, I guess, some Oakland backs just by virtue of them starting. They're not necessarily going to uh, destroy leagues and Kenyon Barner might be the better add over them just because he's uh, James White's not a turnaround and hand the ball off to him type of player. They want to keep using him in the past game. So yeah. Jordan, we really should have talked uh, ahead of time because uh, <laughs> I had Jalen Richard. <laughs> But I'll go in a different direction. The one thing I'll add to Jalen Richard, though, is uh, not only just in the running game, because Lynch actually is on IR. He got placed on IR this afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. But also in the passing game. He's second on the team in targets and receptions. And they just got rid of Amari Cooper. Oh. So you can only think that his role in the passing game is going to improve. So I think he's a definite get. Uh, my guy, since well, Jordan took him on. Everybody not. move one guy Everybody. to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Danny Amendola has been very much enjoying Brocktober. 
Yes. Oh, I get Don't to call it that. It's Brock uh, Cover, baby. Uh, the Brocket ship is taking off. The Brocket ship. Oh, I'll say that. That's even better than Brock Tober. Uh, Danny Amendola is fully <laughs> aboard the Brocket ship as it takes off to space. With Ryan Tannehill at the helm, he only res- had 20 targets throughout the first five weeks. Now in two weeks, he's at 18 targets. Oh, my goodness. The Brock loves to throw to Aunt Danny Amendola. Um, so I definitely think he, going forward, as long as Brock Osweiler is staying in that Miami offense uh, and behind center, he's got legit flex, probably even wide receiver two value in PPR leagues especially. That's wild that Miami isn't playing in Miami anymore. They're actually playing at the Kennedy Space Center because the Brockett ship. <laughs> the Brockett okay, I'm done. Yeah. That's the only I saw place. first man last week. Ooh, how was it? Ooh, it was fantastic. Oh, okay. It was really good. All right, good. A little chauvinist if you ask me, but. Well, there you go. There's some quick reviews. Swing yeah. and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic. Uh, excellent. So if you can only add one player off of waivers, those are the three players to add. And you know that Kenyon Barner and Jalen Richard are great picks because basically we all picked them as our guys. So, and then we had to quickly scramble as we picked other people. Um, make sure to subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and on Stitcher. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark and Adam Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you on Thursday to, what are we going to do? Preview the week eight games and hopefully talk about some of these trades that have gone down. Maybe the Houston Texans at that point have a brand new offensive line filled with all cast offs from the Oakland Raiders. Who's to say? Thank you. We'll take it. Uh, Until then, uh, stay classy and peace.